Welcome to the Platform Podcast. On this show, we're trying to educate you about the American college system. We're going to be having college coaches and student athletes joining us, talking about the experiences in America, and hopefully by the end of the show, you would have taken away some amazing information. Enjoy. Let's get started. The first thing, Bailey, is let's start from the beginning. When did you start competing? Oh, gosh. Um way back really uh so i used to live out live out west uh and chattatoo peninsula i well my mum took me down when i was about five uh to the local grass track um so i i really loved it i went to um waitakere and that was the first club i joined uh, i trained there with a few other athletes uh, aaron booth namely uh we did top 10 and all kinds of meets together. Um, then I moved out east and I went to Sacred Heart and kind of continued my sport. But, you know, like a lot of other athletes, tried other things, hockey, rugby, soccer. Um, but really decided that my love was track and that I was, you know, not too bad at it. I was I was winning and, you know, it was, it was going well. So, yeah, through my Sacred Heart days, that was kind of my, like, breakout period. Uh, from about year 11 through to year 13, where we went to Wanganui, and um, that was my breakout year. I ran the 400 uh, resident record uh, for secondary schools at 46. Wow. Uh, six. So, yeah, that's kind of kind of where I've come from. And, yeah, from there, I, I stepped across to the States. So, yeah. That's amazing. At what point were you like, I'm actually good at the sport? I'm going to start taking it seriously. Was there like your parents that were sort of encouraging you? Was it maybe a, a coach that sort of shoulder tapped you and said, you know, you should, you got a, you might have a career in this? Um, so my mum, my grandmother were always a driving force uh, behind me. Um, really, when I came out east and I started at Sacred Heart, I, I found a great coach, uh, Roy at Pakaranga. And so he was really the guy that kind of shoulder tapped me and he was like, hey, let's, let's stop with these 100, 200 uh, events. Though I was good and I was uh, winning or, you know, I was in, in that kind of top echelon. Uh, he was like, okay, we're going to look further to the future, more down the path of like where you can go. Um, so that's kind of how I got into 400s. Um, and yeah, it was three or four years worth of hard work um, that it took to really achieve what I was working towards. That's amazing. And if, if those that don't know, we posted on on our social media earlier, you know, you've you've held records for 400 meters, um, not just, you know, nationally, but also within the secondary school system as well. Um, when did you decide America was on the cards? Was it like year 12, year 13? Um, was it quite late in the process? When did this all start happening for you? Well, America was always a big dream for me. I mean, I, I know a lot of athletes look at the States and they're like, oh, wow, that'd be an amazing adventure, amazing kind of step up. Um, year 12, I started seriously uh, looking. I probably sent 50 plus emails to various schools, Oregon, Texas, like all, all the, you know, known schools. Yeah. Um, and heard nothing. I didn't get any response not one um and that was really tough as you know an athlete that was really trying to push the boundaries domestically and i'd gone on a few international 
events as well. I've been really, really working towards um, World Juniors, which was based in Oregon, uh, where countless recruiters were going to yeah, be. Yeah, right. Um, but I didn't end up making the standard, and I lost that chance to, you know, be there in front of them. So not getting any responses from those emails kind of almost put the nail in the coffin. Um, I was lucky enough, I got the Prime Minister's Scholarship um, in my year 13 year and um, was all set up. I did six months at AUT, but took a step back and I was like, I can't, I can't, the balance wasn't there. I couldn't keep up with my track, which was my love and do the schooling that I wanted to do. Um, so that's kind of how I got back onto the track of really looking thoroughly uh, into going across. Awesome. What made you choose Tulsa? Obviously, you would have had, you know, phone calls with the coaches or some of the athletes on the team. What what stood out for you? Why did you decide to go to Tulsa? That's a great question. Um, so it was really, really difficult because, I mean, when you're talking to these coaches, you know, they they want you to come to their school, you know, and sifting through the the pros and cons and figuring out where you know you would be the best fit is so challenging because they'll tell you exactly what you want to hear and until you you know talk to someone that you know and who knows these coaches and you know can relate to the athletes that um, they're helping it, it it's a really difficult process um I eventually chose Tulsa because, Whilst I knew I loved my sport, I also really, really enjoyed um, the academic side as well. Uh, so Tulsa being a private school, the best school in the state, um, their business school is um, one of the top business schools in America. Um, I kind of decided to have that balance uh, was super, super important and why I made the decision. That's awesome. And so you signed your National Letter of Intent and Financial Aid Agreement with University of Tulsa. You're part of the track team. You arrive at um, the university. What was your first impression? You know, coming from New Zealand with only 5 million people here, going into the States, what was your first impression being around all these like athletes, etc.? Uh, well, it was actually, apart from I went to South Korea for a world event uh, for track, it was the first time that I'd ever been to America and to the Northern Hemisphere. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> talk about talk about small uh, small town Kiwi. Not really. I mean, being from Auckland, but yeah. still, um, it was daunting. Um, I flew into LA, and I mean, a massive, massive, bustling city, um, and then across to Tulsa, Oklahoma, which. I mean, you start flying across the plains, you're like, oh my gosh, this is vast, yeah. to put it in one word. Um, I flew in and my coach picked me up and he was like, what do you want to do? And I said, I, I just want to go to the track. I want to I want to see the facilities. Yeah. I want to see the university, you know. Um, so he took me straight down. I mean, the facilities there are just amazing. I mean, we say, oh, you know, Mount Smart, it's a beautiful track. Okay, well, you go across there. Every high school, every university have maybe not just an outdoor track. They have lift facilities to go with it. They have indoor facilities. They have physios and um, everything under the sun that an athlete would need. I mean, even just down to nutrition, you can see personal nutritionists and, and things like that. 
but I'm getting off topic. My first impressions of the university was um, daunting. It was large. It was, you know, everything so spaced out. And yeah, I mean, the population alone, um, a new city and the culture was kind of hard. Everyone did a double take with, what did he just say? Kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, we don't notice it, but the Kiwi slang is, is definitely there. Uh, so yeah, I got in and he took me um, to my freshman dorms because everyone um, lives on campus. Um, so I met my roommate who was on the track team as well. Um, basically, he took me straight to the dining halls, which is just imagine a massive smorgasbord that you can just select whatever you want. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, there's also athlete only um, halls that you can go into um, where you can eat. And not to mention, he took me across to they do this kind of funny thing. Um, where it's not funny, it's great. It kind of gets you into a study regime. So you have yep. certain hours. Yes. So you can go to an athlete only study hall in which you can get tutors and mentors to help you through your classes, uh, to give you a little bit of an insight and to really get you kind of like that step up. Um, so just seeing those facilities and seeing, you know, what we had on offer was mind blowing. It's, it's definitely breathtaking, eh? I remember going to college, like, visiting colleges for the first time in my career, and it was it was a small Division One school. Like, it only had something like 7,000 students, but their basketball team was insane, so they could finance a lot of different programs. And I remember seeing, like, an underwater treadmill for the first time, and that was the oh, first yeah. time in my life, and I had been to, because my family's into tennis, like, my younger brother has played at some of the junior grand slams where they share the same facilities as guys like Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal. Mm -hmm. And I've seen those facilities at like the Australian Open and then you get a small D1 that's got better facilities. It yeah. is crazy. Um, I mean, Tulsa's the smallest D1 school and they have <laughs> one of the best tennis facilities in the country. I mean, I we've, held, we've held NCAAs there before. So Incredible. it's yeah, just mind-blowing. Yeah, no, I actually owe that coach a good tennis player. Um, oh, he, okay. yeah, he was he was interested in recruiting my younger brother back then, but it didn't work out. So I said, I promise I'll get him a, a an absolute stud is what they say. They use that word stud quite a lot. Stud, yeah. <laughs> um, so you arrive at Tulsa and you're all settled in. What's the city like? Oh, the I would almost compare it to Wellington. I mean, Wellington minus the wind. Um, it's very artsy. It's very funky. Uh, there's a big calf society. Um, but it's kind of funny because the university almost acts as a little bit of a bubble. Yeah. You get so ingrained into because everything's there. So yeah. you, you don't have to venture out. I mean, unless, I mean, not even to get, you know, fast food on the cheap days. Yeah, yeah, um, sure. Because everything, everything's on campus. But the city itself um, is sprawling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Tulsa and Oklahoma City, they're some of the most sprawling cities in, in America. So everything was very spaced out. I mean, we're talking big trucks, like four by fours with huge smokestacks and, you know, um, don't tread on me stickers in the back mirror with their, you know, um, maybe gun racks sitting there. And yep. then you go to, because the university is right on Route 66, and you go to one of the diners that um is all Elvis style with the neon lights and the you know 
red sit-in bars and you're sitting there and you walk in and you know some of these guys have you know their magnum strapped to their hip which is perfectly legal and it's just the culture there and yeah. you, you take a step back and you're like holy crap i'm it's different i'm so, not in new zealand anymore <laughs> no not in new zealand anymore at all how so. safe is it over there? I mean, you meet we like I talk to coaches all the time, and like I talk to my like as you know, um, mm. we keep in touch with all the athletes while they're in the states. And actually, this morning I just spoke to one of my boys from Missouri, um, and they mentioned the culture change, you know, and mm. it's quite a common thing. Is like you see people over there carry you know guns on them, etc. How did you adjust to that, and how safe was it over there? I mean, that's a great question for parents, if any parents are watching this as well, uh, thinking about their kids' safety, um, especially if they're um, girls, um, daughters. But on campus, extremely safe. Um, we have or had campus police uh, that their goal is to get to any situation within five minutes, um, which is insane. You can walk around campus and there's these blue kind of pillars almost that if there's anything going wrong on campus you can press it and there'll be an operator ready to talk to you for anything um the city itself i mean that comes down to like any city i mean you've got police and um different things that are out there to protect the citizens but on campus and around campus it's i would say the safest i've ever felt for sure. I mean, I had a I had a conversation actually with my uncle about this. He's just become a police officer here in New Zealand, mm -hmm. and um, you know, I said to him, I was talking to him about some of my athletes, and that you know, there's some coaches there that even they carry a whip a weapon on them um, because yeah. it's the law, and that's how they're brought up. Mm -hmm. My uncle said, you know, in a city like Auckland, you get areas that are really good, and then you get areas as well that um, can be a little bit unsafe. And he said, like, I mean, just I think it was two weeks ago, there was a situation in South Auckland where um, a young man had a, had a shotgun in his hands in a house and the mm. police had to go there. And, mm. um, you know, these things can happen. What's really reassuring to know is that the coaches always protect the athletes no matter what. Yes. And the university always protects the athletes too. And the NCAA assure it. They make sure there's policy and protocols put in place uh, to make sure that everything is all covered, whether it's even with COVID as well. I mean, I spoke to some of my athletes now. Obviously, it's a bit different since you've been back in New Zealand now for, for a little bit. But um, in the States right now, like they're getting tested two, three times a week. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if someone's feeling a little bit unwell, they're automatically put into isolation and I've got advisors there to help them out with their studies. Um, they've got everything that they need, um, which is good. Talk, talking about talking about safety as well, one thing that um, I think is super important as well, talking about coaches looking after their athletes, um, is mental health as well. Yes. Because I know that um, mental health is becoming more and more uh, important to, you know, I myself, you know, felt that I needed to, you know, have some support and things. You, you're making a big decision to go across the states. I mean, you're you're creating a new family almost. So coaches, I would have a weekly meeting with my coach, uh, not just my um, sprint coach, but my senior coach, um, my head coach as well. And there was facilities in place, um, psychologists and anybody that you needed to talk to 
they were there. They were willing to talk to you any time of the day. And I'm sure that the NCAA makes sure that this is absolutely the standard across universities. So, 100%. Yeah, no, I totally, I totally agree. And it's good for parents to know that because there's so much support there for, for athletes. I mean, I, as everyone knows, the reason why I started Platform six years ago is because mm. I didn't have the pathway painted out for me to go to the States on a tennis scholarship. Mm. And so, you know, there was a few companies out there, but it was a bit scary. So I wanted to make a more personal and easy approach to the college system. Mm. Um, when I studied at Victoria University in Wellington, being a, just a student was insane. Like just having the pressure academically was very tough. And, you know, after talking with a lot of my athletes now, and we're very fortunate to have placed quite a few into the States, they all said that if it's not for their, you know, their, their, their psychologists that they get access to and their support stuff, it would, things would be very, very tough. It's not easy over there. No. And so, you know, having the, that, that good network and that good support system in States is so important. And that's, that's one of the decisions that, uh, one of the things I should say that we take into account, when we place an athlete into college, you know, not just what scholarship do they get, but what do they get out of that? Which team do they have around them that can help them uh, do well um, in their sport and also mentally as well? It's very, very important. So talking a little bit about, you know, how it is as a track and field athlete, you know, we've had people on this webinar, like soccer coaches, golf coaches, tennis coaches, et cetera, and same with athletes, but we've never had a track athlete talk about what is a day like as a track and field athlete. Please walk us through your daily routine. Ooh, okay. Um, so first off, after my first year, we um, at the university, we all live on campus, uh, which makes it a really tight knit community, which is awesome. Um, so normally I, uh, well, I had been living with um, another person on the track team, 400 hurdler, Hans, uh, and he was amazing. We would get up in the morning and we would go to um, the dining hall, which, like I said, it's, you know, spaced out and we would have all our nutritionist plans. So maybe porridge, banana, you know, all of that. Uh, that was normally about eight in the morning. So um, generally we plan our track schedule and then from there we can pick and choose our classes and move that through. Uh, so track would always be in the afternoon. So I would always front load my day. Um, so from about 8, 8.30 onwards, um, we would have classes. Um, they came in different blocks, but they were normally about hour and a half to two hours uh, with breakout sessions mixed yeah. in with those. Um, so I had normally a big morning chunk, break for lunch, back into the dining hall, all to, we called it ACAC, which was the student union hall, which... I mean, you can imagine all of the different fast foods that are there and things, but we normally ate pretty well. The Mexican, oh, that was the go-to. <laughs> um, I, I, it's it, it's so different over there. It's yeah. just amazing. The the more hole in the wall, the better it is, and <laughs> I can't stress that enough. Um, <laughs> but um, then we would go and we'd have training about three o'clock in the afternoon, three thirty, and that was out on the track. And then we'd basically step straight off into the, off the track and we'd go to the, the gym, which, I mean, if you can imagine uh, a Les Mills that's, you know, 
spaced out with all the different Olympic lifting racks. I mean, we're talking seven, eight down the line. Um, we'd all lift in there together and we'd have not only our sprint coach, but we'd have um, our lift coach as well who would make specific training schedules for each each person. Um, so that went from about 3.30 to about 6. Uh, hefty day, and this was, you know, normally five days a week. Um, we'd do a longer run on the Saturdays. Um, but from there... Uh, straight to straight to uh, the dining hall again, um, and either I would have a night class or I'd be in the study hall uh, doing those hours, um, getting them getting them done. So normally about 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Yep. we were constantly moving, constantly you know going through the motions. Um, so busy, but kept you honest, you know. That's awesome. So let's say you know you're in good nick. You're about to go to your first competition of the season. What's competition day looking like for you? Ooh, so because we were so central, um, we would bus to a lot of the different, uh, you know, meets. What are the buses like? Could you like study on the bus and stuff, or? Yeah, no, you can. You can some of the. So depending on how important the meet was, we would go from either, um, you know, a normal commercial um, bus, kind of like a. Um, I don't know, one that you would catch from Auckland down to Wellington. Like an intercity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but sometimes we would get sleeper buses if it was yeah. um, longer trips or if it was an important meet. Um, and then if it was above 12 hours, we would fly. Um, so the bus rides could get a little little rough, but, um, yeah, you would take things, study material. It was it was pretty easy to do. Um, all the roads are straight, so you don't, you don't get nauseous at all. <laughs> um, but we'd go to Arkansas. It was one of my um, favorite tracks to run at. It's oh, an amazing facility. Um, their indoor track, uh, I can't stress enough how it's different running on an indoor track. It They, so reduce size, it's 200 meters, and they bend up the bends. So right. when you're running, you, you're not going to break your ankles, really. You don't yeah, have yeah, to yeah. down on the bend. You can you actually have something to kind of lean against because you've got so much force pushing you out. Um, so going to some of those meets, we'd get on the bus and in the morning and uh, we'd, you know, have lunch all ready for us and everything. All the coaches would organize that. Um, we just had to focus on either getting our schoolwork done um, on the way there or if we were clean sailing, we just focus completely on the meat. And when I say the level is different, you I was not trying to be rude. I was a token white guy walking out on the field. Like <laughs> I was I was the shortest and the token white guy. And you're racing against, I mean, I raced against Kamari Montgomery from Houston. Um, and he went on to win the national champs. Uh, I, I, I've been racing against, you know, people of that caliber almost every weekend and lifting yourself to that level is tough but it's just so rewarding you know that's that's why you do it right 100 percent. you've got to keep raising that bar and um honestly like everyone's got the best trainers the best nutritionists working with them every day and then you get to compete against the the better better athletes and i think regardless of the sport when you compete at a higher level and you get dropped in the deep end of a swimming pool, you swim way better. And um, you rise to the occasion. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so that sounds amazing. So 
I've got some questions here that some people have also asked me as well. Mm -hmm. uh, what advice can you give to any students that are thinking about pursuing a track and field scholarship? Like when should they look at starting the process and, you know, obviously going through it yourself, what advice can you give them? Start early. Um, start in that year 11 age um, and, you know, really put in the groundwork so you're, you know, you have the time to consider your options, to talk to, you know, people like you, Amarit, to make those connections, to um, really get an understanding of what kind of university you're looking for and, and going through a real kind of self-evaluation because there's so much that goes into it. Yeah. I mean, let alone the NCAA, we're talking SATs. I mean... I went and took my SAT once and I wish that I had done it again because no Kiwi student has ever seen an exam like that. And yeah. I mean, that's that's why it's so great having the support and the SAT prep that our platform offers. And not only that, but, you know, just creating the videos and, you know, marketing yourself and, you know, really kind of reaching out to those coaches is, is it's a time sensitive process and it can't be rushed um that would probably be my advice start early for sure i mean most of our most of our athletes start and like at the end of year 11 or year 12 now there's some athletes that we work with in australia so for those that are on a different academic calendar with for them we're talking like grade 10 grade 11 um, because they got to grade 12. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you're two to three years away, then you've got time to improve SATs. Here's a great example. Uh, we had a young man recently that signed um, a Division One scholarship um, in Seattle, and he did really well in the SAT. He did fantastic. Um, mm -hmm. However, the coach said, if you bump it up a few points more, um, you can qualify for an extra 10 to 15 grand. He did that. Yeah. And so he got that extra 10 to 15 KUSC. Yeah, I mean... You know, early bird gets the worm big time. But I think it's more about developing a relationship with a coach. Yes. If you are constantly, you know, messaging the coach every weekend, updating them on your training on different times, etc., you know, that coach is going to be more inclined to give you the deal as opposed to giving someone just opening an email being like, yes, we want to recruit that guy yes. um, straight away. So relationships are super important, but you need time to to build on things. And, um, you know, maybe you you send stuff out to a coach in year 12 and the coach like, look, you're not at our benchmark yet, but we'll keep an eye on you. You want those conversations to happen early. Definitely. Yeah, Definitely. for sure. And then, and then you, know where, you know where the goalpost is. You yeah. know where, what you can work towards. Yeah. So definitely, yeah. So what degree did you do and what are you doing now? So I did a business management degree with a minor in psychology. Uh, when I got back, I started working at BNZ. I worked there for a year and then obviously with a lot of people, COVID hit and um, ended up uh, leaving that job. But now I'm working for Blackpool Markets. Shout out to Blackpool. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you're a Forex trading company. So um, yeah, I'm doing compliance there. So uh, all the AML, CFT for any of you uh, guys and uh, any money laundering, any anything <laughs> like that. So yeah, yeah, I, I work. I work with them on that. So. Yeah, awesome. it's going well. Oh, that's fantastic. So for those uh, that saw our Instagram post recently, Bailey's just joined our recruiting team. So it's great to have Bailey on board. Um, so Bailey's going to be working with us and 
collective as a group. We're going to be networking with college coaches. Now, I guess, um, you know, your connections is pretty good in the States, you know, competing at a good level. You know, talk us through a little bit about your network in the US. Oh, I mean, let alone just the kind of tight network uh, in Oklahoma, Texas. Um, I have trained and um, been coached by a few athletes that are all around the country now. Um, I have one that just reached out to me the other day. He's Central Arkansas, uh, Gray Howard. He is uh, an amazing coach there. He was like, hey, I saw you working with Platform. Um, let's let's get this going, like, let's talk. So um, yeah, having some amazing connections uh, is, is definitely gonna be great. And the benefit for us is like, it's not what you know, it's who you know. I mean, it's looking at a website and looking at a college program is one thing, but actually being there in that environment and knowing is this the right fit for this particular athlete is tough. And Very so that's why our team are all either former college coaches or former uh, top-end recruit athletes like Natasha Lloyd from Swimming. You know, shout-out to Natasha. So, um, you know, it's great to have you on board. Um, but you're a great ambassador, great role model for a lot of young kids coming through. I mean, you've done – you've worked – your ass off and you've got the reward for it um and you know you face the challenges of the recruiting process yes. which is which is common, <laughs> it's yeah, common for a lot of people so great to have you on board we really really appreciate you um and taking this time to speak with us now you you, you are competing now right you're training with coach sons one of the best trainers in new zealand how's that going i am shout out to shout out to coach sons uh so i just started with him in december um so it's it's been a quick turnaround but um nationals was actually meant to be this weekend um but due to level three lockdown uh it's been postponed um so it's actually march last weekend of march so um i've got another week or two uh, to kind of tune the body but i just want to yeah take the time to say thank you i'm looking forward to working with platform um Amrit is you know a great guy and i'm really excited to see where this can go so yeah appreciate appreciate the kind words and uh i owe you a coffee my man when i see you in Auckland, we'll grab a coffee Sounds good. <laughs> awesome thank you so much buddy. you have a great weekend and uh thanks to everyone tuning into this we hope you got value out of it uh and we'll be releasing this interview on youtube as well uh so people can watch it later down the road and also through instagram thanks guys thanks <laughs>